Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. Today's Holy Gospel comes from St. Matthew, the third chapter, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, anybody like magic? Wasn't trying to do magic there, that just slipped. <laughs> what are some magic phrases that you know from kid or when you see magic done? What are some of those fairy phrases? Abracadabra. Presto changeo. Hocus pocus. Hocus pocus is the one I want to get to. <laughs> Open sesame. So it is not verify, but this is the story I was told in seminary about the origins of the phrase hocus pocus. Pastor Amanda is shaking her head. She's heard the same thing. Hocus pocus came from when the mass was celebrated in Latin back in uh, Middle Ages, if not before, and the priest would have their back to, right, you know, how many people grew up in a church in which the altar was against the back wall? Right, and maybe the priest would be at their back and be saying these words, and most of the community was illiterate. So all they are hearing, maybe, are what the words of the priest are saying, and they go through a communion liturgy where they talk about the body and blood being broken and blessed for you, and they know during that time something happens to the bread and the wine, which then somehow Christ is mysteriously present within that bread and the wine. Right? It changed somehow. During those words, during those words, the priest would say, it is thought the people misheard them, and it's hoc est, I forget, do you know what? I forget what it is. And instead they heard the words, hocus pocus. And something changed from one thing to another like it was magic. I bring that up now because baptism, I have no clue how baptism works. Does anybody understand For some reason, pouring water over an infant's head and invoking the words or saying the words in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit somehow proclaim God's promises, somehow proclaim God's love, somehow proclaim forgiveness of sins. But I have no clue how that happens. Does anybody? I am more clueless about that than even about understanding Bernoulli's principle Right? Could I, buy a, could I build a plane? All 
I know is that it doesn't. And I'm trying to do my best to understand what that means. We live in a world that likes to understand how everything works, right? We're in the age of enlightenment. To quote Vanilla Ice, if there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Like three of you get that? This is how the sermon is better, second service, people. We like to solve our problems. Now, the danger of just saying, I trust it, right? It can go, hey, the Bible says it, I believe it, that ends it. Please hear me, that's not what I'm saying. Right? I believe, the Bible says, Genesis 1, the world was created in seven days. I do not believe the world was created in seven days. I taught seventh grade science. I taught that the earth is 4.3 billion years old, and I have no issue with evolution. But there are some mysteries about God that maybe I get too caught up in understanding how it works as opposed to trusting that it does. Because when I approached this text for this morning, I came up with all these questions. Why does Jesus need to be baptized? Why does John refuse to baptize him? Why does Jesus say, this is done so all righteousness can be fulfilled? I struggle with that word, what righteousness means. Justification, you heard that word before? Sanctification, right? I know these words, but I struggle with some of them. Sometimes I wonder, do we focus too much on understanding exactly how it works as opposed to trusting what it means for our lives? So ask questions. No, you won't always find answers. Or really, you ask questions because there's questions underneath the question that are really getting at you. I'm reading a book right now. I really would highly recommend it to you. It's called Holy Envy. Finding God in the Faith of Others by Barbara Brown Taylor. Barbara Brown Taylor, she is so widely respected throughout, not just the Christian world, but I think around the world. She teaches Religion 101 at Piedmont College in Georgia? Doesn't matter. Georgia. Um, And this isn't her autobiography. What this book is, is her telling stories about teaching Religion 101 at Piedmont College, and coming to find what she appreciates and isn't even envious of other religions and how that has informed her own faith and understanding of what Christianity is. One quote that I really like in it that maybe sums up what we're talking about here is she quotes Robert Farrar Capon, and he says this, Human beings who wish to understand the ways of God are like oysters lying at the bottom of a tide pool, wishing to understand the ways of a prima prima ballerina. Can you imagine that sometimes? Oysters at the bottom of a tide pool, and tide pools are beautiful things. You know, fortunately, we can see some as we're up here. But a prima ballerina, the gracefulness, the work it takes, right? And it doesn't just say ballerina, it says prima ballerina. Something that is not bestowed lightly, very rarely given out, only done for like a lifetime of achievement and accomplishment. It's the best of the best of the best, right? We have Hall of Fame. Imagine the Hall of Fame of the Hall of Fame. That's who the prima ballerina is. Sometimes aren't we like that? We're the oysters down below trying to understand the prima ballerina. 
Some things were just not going to. I don't understand the intricate working. But, and, maybe and's a better word, and what I am called to understand is what that means for us and for our life. How God's love for us affects me, affects you, how it affects my love for the neighbor, how it affects my love for the world, how it affects those whose I care for, how it affects those whom sitting in front of you and behind you, and how it affects those whom I hate. How it affects those who hate me. Right? That's what we're getting at. That's where I was originally planning on ending my sermon, so to speak, with that challenge. And then I heard this podcast, and again, I would recommend it to you. I, uh, I listen to a few podcasts every week. I listen to NPR Up First in the morning. Then I listen to Trevor Noah, The Daily Show. And then I listen to one that comes out weekly, The Bible for Normal People by Peter Enns and Jared Bias. And then I haven't been as regular. I used to listen to you every week. I listen to Rob Bell and the pod, uh, called The Robcast. He has been very influential on me. And this week, or a few months ago, he had on a New Testament theologian named Alexander Shia. It just so happened, the podcast I'm listening to from several months ago, they were talking specifically about this passage, about the baptism of Jesus. And not about how it works, but what it means. And it helped me see it in a whole new light. Why does Jesus have to be baptized? What does that mean for us? So what Alexander Shai is talking about is water in the ancient Hebrew world is so different than what we refer to or think of as water for baptism now. When we talk about water, we use water to do what in baptism for us? It's an a question you can answer it if you want. Cleanse us, to wash us, to clean us. Water in the Hebrew world, especially if you go back to Genesis 1, water really refers so often to chaos. Think about the way Genesis 1 begins. As the Spirit hovered over the waters of chaos, the darkness. In fact, uh, water in Hebrew means chaos. It's mayim, M-A-Y-I-M. I couldn't verify this, but I like it, so I'll use it right now. Allstate commercials. Allstate protects you from... Mayhem, right? <laughs> M-A-Y-H-E-M. Yet the Hebrew water, uh, word for water, chaos, M-A-Y-M. Chaos. So what does God do at the beginning with the chaos and the spirit descending over? He reaches in and brings out this creation. He orders it. And at the end of Genesis 1, what does God call the creation? Male and female. God calls them not just good, very good. God orders the chaos and the darkness into very good. So now we have Jesus coming along, the beginning of his public ministry. And here we hear the Spirit, the dove, coming down, right? John says to Jesus, I should be baptized by you, but yet Jesus says, no, you baptize me. Jesus is the first fruits of all What? It's so, oh, I thought someone completed that sentence for me. First fruits of the resurrection. God reaches down into the chaotic waters of this life and 
through Christ pulls forth a new creation. God is not done. Does anyone feel like their life is full of chaotic waters right now? Does anybody look out into the world and see, I don't know if those chaotic waters have ever subsided. Our hope in the promise of baptism, and I have no idea how this works, is that when you are baptized into Christ, you are pulled from your chaotic waters. You are pulled from the chaotic waters of this world, and you are part of God's new creation. You are at the beginning of something that is happening, that is emerging, that is growing, that is life-giving. Oh, who wants to be part of that? Right? Christ is baptized so we may be baptized. Christ lives so we may live. Christ dies so when we die, death is not the end. It just moves into another phase. We have been pulled and rescued. The world has been pulled and rescued. Remember, it's such a core piece of our theology. This is not just a little group of people that gets to go to heaven when we die. But God is rescuing the entire world out of these waters of chaos and making it all right, making you right, making me right. We can go back and repeat all those things we said before, right? Making right the people that are sitting in front of you, the people that are sitting behind you, the people whom you love, the people whom love you are being made right, And this is the hard part. The people whom you hate are being made right. The people who hate you are being made right. This is the work of God. This is the work of the church. This is the work of us. To be reminded that we are pulled from those waters of chaos and are made right. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.